long. And uh, <laughs> some of you are not laughing at all. You're like, I want to get out of here. I'm going, to lo- I'm going to read from Luke chapter 2, verses 21 through 38. It says this, On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, a name the angel had given him before he was conceived. When the time came for purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consecration of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, you have, you have promised you may now dismiss me, your servant, in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what he had said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising in many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Okay, long passage. If, if Some of you know me pretty well, and you know that I really love to find different people in the Bible who are pretty much unknown to most people, and then try to bring their stories to life. Well, in Luke chapter 2, we have two characters who are often overlooked when we tell the Christmas story. Two characters. One is a man named Simeon, and the other is a woman named Anna. Now, many of you are thinking, Pastor, I've been to a lot of church services and pageants before, and I don't remember many people talking about Simeon and Anna when it comes to the Christmas story. And that may be true, and to my point this, this evening, that I like to find people like this and kind of bring them out and tell their story. And that may be true that we don't talk about them a lot, but it doesn't mean that they're not extremely important people. So as I studied their lives, I came to understand that, that Simeon and Anna were both waiting for something. They were waiting for something, or I actually should say they were waiting for someone. So tonight I'm going to talk about Simeon, and then tomorrow morning, I'm sure you'll all be back tomorrow morning on Christmas Day, you'll all be back here to talk, we're going to talk about Anna, okay? So we're going to talk about Simeon tonight. I think we all understand what it means to, to wait, to be, to be waiting for something. 
Each of us has our own expectations. Like if you're younger here, maybe you maybe you're waiting for that special present that you want to open. You've been talking about it for months and it's now it's here. It's Christmas Eve. Maybe you'll open it tonight. Maybe you'll open it tomorrow morning. But you're 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 waiting to open that present. Maybe you've come back from college and you've been talking about people that you've met and you've been waiting maybe for this this nice guy, this cute guy to ask you out. And you're still waiting. Waiting's tough, right? It's difficult. Maybe, maybe you're waiting, not that your relatives cause you any issues whatsoever, but maybe you're waiting for your relatives to, to go home so that you can sleep for a week, right? And if you're one of the relatives who's visiting, maybe you're waiting to go home so you can sleep for a week. Maybe you're waiting for God to tell you what he wants you to do with your life. I don't care how old you are tonight. God has plans for you, and maybe you're waiting for God to tell you what your purpose is in life. God, what is my purpose? Maybe you're waiting. You've been praying about something. You've been asking God for it. Maybe you're waiting for God to answer your prayer. Simeon and Anna were waiting as well. They were waiting. They were waiting. The word that Luke uses here in this text is the idea of waiting with anticipation. Okay, you have to you have to kind of feel what they were feeling. I mean, the Holy Spirit told Simeon, you're not going to die until you actually see the Messiah. So you can imagine the anticipation. You talk about Christmas morning. Okay, you talk about that gift that you've been waiting for for maybe six months. You told your parents six months ago you want this gift. Can you imagine? He knows the Messiah is coming and God told him you're going to see him. Before you die and the anticipation. So Luke is using a word talking about waiting, but he's talking about waiting with intense anticipation for for the Messiah. So they are both waiting for the coming of the Messiah. Luke 2, 25 says this. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. That literally means that they, they, were, they were alert, okay? They were alert to his appearance and ready to welcome him. They were just anticipating. They were alert. They were, he's coming. So they were ready to welcome him and just embrace him. Verse 25 says an awful lot in only a few words. It says that Simeon was a righteous man. He was righteous. That means that those around him would have had high respect for him. They would have held him in high regard. It says that he was devout, which means he had a, a, a deep and abiding, intimate, personal relationship, close and sincere with his living God. So Simeon was this righteous and devout man, respected by others and very, very close to God. Okay, so what is Simeon actually waiting for? Now, everyone's going, well, Pastor, you just, you just said that. He's waiting for the Messiah. Yes, so we'd all agree he's waiting for the Messiah, but we have to get more specific. What exactly is he waiting for when it comes to the Messiah? And the answer is that Simeon was waiting for comfort. He was waiting for comfort, the consolation of Israel. He was waiting for comfort. If you recall, um, God's people during this time were were not having a, a, a very uplifting time, if you will. They were under the rule of the Roman Empire, right? So at this time in history, so I want to lay it out a little bit so you understand, all the people are waiting for this Messiah, they're waiting. Why? Because they're under Roman rule at this point. And God, if you read the Bible, God hadn't spoken to them for a very long time. They hadn't heard from God. 
So they're under Roman rule. They haven't heard from God in a while. They have lost their independence. They lived in a state of fear under King Herod. So Herod was a really difficult person to live under. The Roman Empire was difficult to live under. So they're living in fear, but they're living in anticipation. The people were wondering, when is the Messiah going to show up? When is he going to deliver us? When is he going to lead us from their oppression? We're being oppressed by the Roman Empire. When is this Messiah going to come and lead us out of our oppression? You see, what back then, now we think of Jesus and, and you think, oh yeah, Jesus is this incredible, Incredibly kind and compassionate and loving and merciful. All those things are true. All those things are true. But when you're, you're under Roman rule and you're waiting for a Messiah to come, you're thinking of a leader who's going to pull you out of the, 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 the oppression that you're under. They were expecting, many were expecting a conquering king, if you will, a military Messiah who was going to come riding in on some white horse with a sword, a sword drawn, and he was going to basically do away with the Roman Empire, if you will, drive the Romans out, and they would be free from the oppression of the Romans. That's what they were looking for. So they had this anticipation, and, and Simeon had some inside information that we just talked about that made his anticipation for the coming of the Messiah even more intense. Verse 26 says this, It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Simeon's expectations focused on the comfort or the, 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 the consolation that the Messiah would bring. I mean, again, put yourself in their place. I don't think you're feeling, you know, very comforted and very, very comfortable. You're feeling overwhelmed. You're feeling stressed, constantly worrying about, you know, what what moves you can make. Can you can you practice your religion? Can you do this? Am I allowed to say this? I'm allowed to do that. And and so Simeon's waiting, and he wants to focus. He's focusing on when the Messiah comes. He's focusing on that comfort and that consolation that the Messiah would bring. God's people at this time had many titles for the Messiah. They had a lot of different titles. And the one that they were using much of the time here, and now you can understand why, was the idea of comforter. When they talked about the Messiah, they used the title of comforter. Why? Because of the oppression that they were under. You remember that famous famous Christmas song that goes, God rest you, merry gentlemen, right? Another name for that song is Tidings of Comfort and Joy. Those Christmas songs were not written by a bunch of knuckleheads that didn't understand their theology. Okay? Tidings of comfort and joy. They understood the history. They understood what people were anticipating, what people were waiting for. And like that song, these people were longing for a Messiah to come and bring them comfort. They were anticipating this comfort that was going to come. I don't think I have to explain to many of you how important comfort is in our everyday lives. I think every single one of you in this room understands what it means, what it means to have comfort in your life. Some of you are back from college, right? You're back from college or maybe you're back from moving away. You moved out of town and 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 now you're back. Maybe you're back from the military. You've been on military. You'd have been, you know, in Iraq or Afghanistan or somewhere around the world in your military. Now you're back home. Now, now you, you've come back home. There is something about being at home. 
for most people, there's something about being at home that brings so much comfort. You walk through the door and things are different. Being around family and being just being around friends, having your mom make your favorite kinds of food, right? What do we call it? What do we call our favorite kinds of food? Comfort food. Exactly. Comfort food. I, I don't know about you, but there are certain smells before I even, even taste it. There are certain smells like sausages cooking in the morning that, that just it, it fires my brain. It brings comfort to me. I remember as a child when I would wake up and I would smell the sausages and, you know, my mom or my dad would be in the kitchen. They would be making sausages. I remember that smell and I still it still brings me comfort today. Even the smell. You know, you come home and you're talking to your dad about why we should fire Marvin Lewis and how our how our our offense is, you know, our offense is terrible and our defense is even worse. And, you know, and you're just sitting around, you're talking about it. It just brings you comfort to be able to come back home and talk about your team with your family, your friends and just gripe and moan. Hey, the Browns won. The Browns won today. Yay. I'm not a Browns fan, but you know what? They still represent Ohio. We can't have them the worst team in NFL history. All right. I digress. Okay. But that is exciting. Okay. That is very, very, very exciting. Merry Christmas. The Browns won. It's all good. Uh, Waiting, waiting for comfort, honestly, is universal. It is for for a human being. It is universal. At times, every single one of us feels alone. We feel overwhelmed, we feel discouraged, we feel insecure, and knowing that you can be around your family and friends, that that idea of comfort is just universal. Simeon now was led by the Holy Spirit to go into the temple courts the same day that Mary and Joseph were bringing Jesus into the temple. They had to make sacrifices, they had a consecration, so they were going in the temple. And Simeon came into the temple courts that same exact day. The moment he saw Jesus Christ, the moment he saw the Christ child, he knew that his wait was over. He knew that God's promise had been fulfilled. Can you imagine? Okay, he waited all this time and he knew it was coming. He knew the comfort that, 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 this, that this Messiah was going to bring to the people. And he knew that God's promise had been fulfilled. Here was the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us. The one who was going to bring comfort not only to his people, but to all people, to us. To us standing, you know, sitting here tonight. That Jesus Christ... The living God was going to bring comfort. And Simeon experienced that. He understood that. In Luke 2, 28 and 29, it says, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God and saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. Honestly, think about that. Wouldn't it be awesome, and it can happen to each one of us, wouldn't it be awesome at the end of your life where you could sit back, you could actually sit back and say, regardless of what happens from here on out, my life is completely fulfilled. I have accomplished all that God has for me. I've accomplished all. He says, hey. <laughs> now, see there? Someone's listening. Yes. <laughs> Let's pray. No, that's just too perfect. I I have accomplished all that 
that you have for me, Lord. I've done it all. I don't need anything else. I, I can, you can take me now. You can take me now. I can rest in peace. I need absolutely nothing else. Simeon had lived long enough to see the Messiah and his comfort. God had comforted him beyond his wildest dreams. Beyond his wildest dreams. And I'll tell you something, that same comfort can be in each one of our hearts tonight. We're talking about, honestly, we're talking about a living God. We're not talking about religion, okay? We're not talking about religion here this, this, this evening. We're talking about a living God who can bring that kind of comfort, that kind of peace, that kind of joy, that kind of contentment to every single one of our lives, some of you may need that contentment this morning, this evening. Some of you may need that kind of joy, that kind of peace. You're struggling with some, some challenges in your life, and I'm here tonight to encourage you. I prayed before, before I, I, you know, I came here tonight. I was praying and saying, Lord, I know there are going to be people in this room tonight who need that kind of comfort who need the joy. You need joy back in your life. You need peace that passes all understanding. You've been struggling for a while, and you need the peace that passes all understanding. You need contentment. You're you're not content. You're anxious, you're stressed, and you need the kind of contentment that only a living God can bring to your life. And that's what Simeon had, and that's what each one of us can have. Jesus' miracles, let me tell you something. They're not limited to Jesus' birth, okay, 2,000 years ago. You know, we come here and we think, yeah, Jesus was born. And what a miracle of virgin birth. And his miracles aren't limited to his birth 2,000 years ago. As a matter of fact, he was just getting started. Okay? Just getting started. He has the power to impact your life tonight. He has the power. If you would just reach out to him. If you would just take the time. Bow your heads with me. Bow your heads with me. If you would just listen, but please listen to my words. If you would just reach out to him and share your needs with him. What are your needs? You're asking for all these gifts at Christmas. Ask him for a gift. Share your needs with him and needs with him and wait with anticipation. Okay. With faith that he's going to answer your prayers. Wait with anticipation for the comfort and the answers that he is going to bring. God, I thank you so much. We thank you so much for this time that we can just spend together tonight and think about you and just worship you and and be excited with anticipation of what you're going to do in our lives. Simeon and Anna were excited about the comfort that you can bring to our lives. And God, we have our own desires. We have our own thoughts and and needs that we have. So we, we want to present them to you tonight as we light our candles, Lord God, as the service continues and we light our candles. May every single one of us hold up a prayer to you, hold up our needs to you, reach out to you, and may you meet our needs. And may we have the faith to have anticipation, to be excited and to thank you in advance for what you're going to do in our lives. I encourage you tonight. I challenge you tonight to ask him, to reach out to him, to tell him what your needs are. Because we have a living God, not a religion. We have a living God who can do miracles and he wants to do them in our lives. God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.